welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast that makes life feel lighter. And if you're wanting to live freed up and not fed up, stay connected right here. Pull up your seat. Join us in this place where faith and mental health meet. Whether you're returning here or it's your first time, I hope you find this podcast as a useful resource to elevate your faith and mental health. So stay a while, all of you. Hang tight. We're getting it started in just a moment. It saddens me and it's quite alarming how deeply polarized and divided this nation and our world has become. We live in a society where most land on one side of almost any issue and stick with it, even if it costs friendships and family ties. Our culture has just created so many separations by selfishly exercising freedoms that widen chasms and perpetuate oppression taking liberties to attack differences, labeling and judging that which is not understood or personally accepted. We are hell-bent, it seems, to point fingers across aisles and experiences and issues. You know, these days, I'm just spending a lot more time, really more than ever, just reflecting on the level of intensity and consistency of the fracturing of so many things all around me. I just don't recall in my five decades of life when it's felt this way for me. Have you just allowed yourself to just take in the plight of this country right now? Our world, it just feels beyond overwhelming, a big pot of hot messness. (laughs) And one thing I keep coming back to in all of this is how much we try to differentiate ourselves from each other and separate ourselves and one up or power play one another create these categories for how we're going to do life and engage with each other, when in reality, we are so very much the same. Yeah, we are all divinely created works of art made in the likeness and very image of God. And yet because of our fallen natures, we are equally flawed and fragile, all in need of the saving grace and mercy from God. We all share the same core created features, human bodies that function the same held by way of our general construct. We were all created flesh around the spirit that God breathed in us. And we each exist in life form because we have a brain and a heart and other functioning organs. And we all share core emotions like anger, fear, sadness, and joy. And while researchers and scientists have Varying opinions on how many core emotions we have all agree that we share common emotions. Yes, we really are so very much alike amidst all of our perceived and sometimes preferred differences. Many of you are familiar with Brene Brown. Well, from her most recent research that spanned over five years of her surveying thousands of participants. And it also led to her latest book called Atlas of the Heart. She and her team found that on average, while people feel a host of emotions, they can readily identify only three emotions as they are actually feeling them. Happiness, sadness, and anger. 
And so this led her to this focused work on helping individuals identify and name their feelings and emotions. And then by doing so, her vision and hope was to create a pathway to healing the divides that we see in our culture today. The theory is that if we're able to elevate emotional literacy, maybe that could transfer into deeper emotional connections with one another. And while this work toward building a strong emotional IQ is not new in general, there is evidentiary power in being able to identify emotions we are experiencing. Doctors Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson from their work several years ago say it this way, if you can name it, the emotion or feeling, you can tame it. And one particular emotion that is common to us all and is largely responsible for many of our spiritual and mental health issues is shame. It is often referred to as a self-conscious emotion because it imbues a self-judgment about who we are at our core. Shame is an emotion with a belief system. And it's extremely difficult to recognize, but it is certainly not shy about wreaking havoc in every area of our lives. And it causes struggles that we often don't understand the reason why we're having them. Now, shame can be a public response to something that happens or is done. But where it becomes most troubling and challenging is when it is a private response to experiences we've had over time. Shame can have multiple contributing factors that include, but are not limited to, adopting and living out the faulty narratives and belief systems from people in authority and or our caregivers, or taking in the ever-changing and fickle views of the culture, among other harmful influences. And we'll talk more about the clinical aspects of shame in the next episode. But today, I want to center the conversation around the spiritual impact of shame. I agree with Brene Brown. If we can elevate emotional literacy, maybe we can garner more healing and ability to interact with others in harmony. Yet, at this intersection of faith and mental health, I would add that unless we surrender our hearts and emotions to God, we won't be able to see and experience the depth and the reach of God's power to create newness in this broken world, to breathe new life into the dry and dead bones of a messed up culture, and to restore all that has been lost. We need the God over all humanity and all emotions to heal our land. How did we get here? Okay, so go with me to the beginning. And no, not the beginning of the episode, but to the beginning of time. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the first couple of chapters reflect the details of God's power and grace as he created the heavens and the earth, and then his most uniquely designed creation of all, man and woman. He placed them in the Garden of Eden, this indescribable paradise that they would rule and have within it a continuous holy relationship and fellowship with God. And then in chapter three, this little perfect human story starts going off the rails 
when the woman was deceived by the serpent, who was the devil, and she falls into sin by disbelieving God and disregarding his plainly stated words of protection and direction made to them. And then afterwards, she encouraged the man to fall into sin as well. If you decide to look this up for yourself in the Bible, pay close attention to Genesis chapter three, verse seven. But hey, just for a moment, let me read these verses to us. Genesis chapter three, verse six through 12. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Okay, listen. At the moment, their eyes were opened, and we're talking their spiritual eyes. They had a different level of awareness, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, which they now knew because they had eaten from the tree that was forbidden And subsequently, they gained knowledge beyond what was intended for them to have, again, for their protection. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They hid from God. And when God started questioning them about why they were covering themselves and hiding, the blaming and the protesting started. The man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. And then consequently, God had to deal with the sin of it all because of his holy nature. And he pronounced curses on the woman, the man and the serpent. Now, I want to pause here just for a minute and say that if you are not a Bible reader or if you don't study the Bible yet, and you're still trying to learn about the character of God and why this judgment was even necessary, I've recommended a couple of books for you to read if you want to dig deeper into the explanation for this, because we don't have time to cover it in this episode. So be sure you look in the description box of this episode to get those resources. But I want to narrow our focus in right now on what the woman and man felt, among other emotions that would make sense when you feel you've let someone down or maybe even feel different about yourself because you don't understand everything you're feeling. Among all of those emotions, they felt shame. And the emotion of shame with its built-in belief structure caused them to behave in ways they had not before. 
and it affected and infected their lives from that moment on. Okay, so what were some of those shame behaviors? Well, shame showed up for them in their covering up their created selves. In their hiding from God, it showed up in distancing, blaming, and defending. And these behaviors lead to others, like doubting. You know, distancing can lead to doubting because it limits authentic connection where truth lives. Relational distance can cause us to fill in the blanks with often inaccurate information and details. And then blaming leads to more shaming. If we can see someone else as responsible, then we can offshoot the brunt of the issue elsewhere rather than taking individual responsibility and ownership of our own actions when needed. And shame leads to fearing. Adam said, I was afraid, so I hid. He said that to God. I'm not sure I'm in the same place of relationship with you anymore, God. His fears came from shame. And this human imperfect sin nature is what we inherited from the first humans, or as some call them, our first parents. And this human nature is marked with the capacity for these painful and difficult emotions like shame to be a part of our daily experiences and existence. This emotion, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, affects each of us, even though we generally can't see it. Inheriting a sin nature with the propensity to act in unbecoming ways and to struggle with all kinds of thoughts Feelings and emotions may seem like pretty tough news until you hear the good news that Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the world for past, present and future for those who choose to believe in him. And not only does he take away the sin, but he also removes the stains or the effects of sin like shame. It's a stain. Guilt is a stain. Hopelessness is a stain. Whether it's something we've done or something someone else did to us or said to us, the effects or stains of those behaviors or words are what we often try to manage and press through in our healing. Now, if you follow Freed Up for a while, then you have likely heard me talk about my favorite thing to do every year in the city that I live in. And that is going to the state fair. I might go up to three times each year when it comes to town. And it usually stays in town for three weeks. So three times is a lot. Okay. But I remember one year when I was at the fair, I was eating a corny dog, which is my first food item that I purchased upon entry into the fairgrounds. And trust me, I have a whole list of items I eat at every visit. I moved a little fast at this particular time when I was eating the corny dog and this huge glob of mustard dropped onto my shirt. It took some time to get it off. It took a bunch of napkins, a few trips to the restroom, which if you're like me, you try to avoid the restroom or the porta pots at the fair, right? (laughs) Well, finally, I got all the mustard off but the stain was still evident and I walked around the fairgrounds with this big mustard stain on my shirt. It made me so self-conscious, y'all. People would pass me and they would look at it 
and then they would look away. And it felt like some acted like they didn't see it, but we all knew that it was there. And they could probably figure out that I had eaten something that ultimately had gotten on me, but I still felt a little embarrassed. I didn't want to be seen looking like that, (laughs) plain and simple. I didn't want people thinking that I was a hot mess of an eater or even somehow this irresponsible person. So often, y'all, shame does the same thing in our lives. It is a stain that can make us feel like we don't want to be seen. And living with this constant reminder that something feels wrong with us. But aren't you glad that God heals shame and opens us up to, actually invites us daily to live a full, freed up life within his peace and joy? So as we prepare to close this episode out, I want to leave us with this thought around shame and why we need to surrender it to God and ask him to heal us. So let's go back quickly to the beginning one more time, okay? At the root of the devil's purpose for deceiving the woman Eve, it was to get her to doubt two primary things. Lean in right here. The first thing he wanted her to doubt was her true identity in God. The second thing was he wanted her to doubt God's divinity. He wanted her to doubt her true identity and God's divinity. So let's break both of those down before we conclude this and get to some Bible verses that will help us combat the shame from the spiritual lens. If the devil can make us doubt that we are God adored and his beloved creation, and if he can make us believe anything other than that, like we're not lovable or we're not enough or we're not worthy of connection, then he has sufficiently gained a win in the column toward our defeat and discouragement. Secondly, he wants us to doubt God's divinity, his divine and holy nature. He wants us to think that God is not to be trusted, that he's somehow holding out on us, holding back from us, keeping good things away from us, and that God is not who he says he is, that he's just like anybody else who you don't have to believe or listen to if you don't want to. And those two attacks on our mind and our spirit are designed to cause us to doubt who we really are and doubt who God really is. And that impacts how we show up in relationships with ourselves, with others, and most of all, with God, our creator. Here's the deal. We will not believe those lies, friends. We will not bow down to those deceptive beliefs. We will stand on the truth that God made us in love and made us in his image. We are enough in him. We are worthy simply because we are his. And we will trust the God of all mankind, the creator of heaven and earth, because he has proven that he is trustworthy, faithful, and true. Maybe he hasn't done everything we wanted him to do for us. Or maybe it feels confusing that the world is in the shape it's in and that God has allowed some things to happen and not intervene like we want. As hard as it may be to grasp, God's divinity is why his ways are not always easy to understand. 
His God nature causes him to think so much higher than our thinking, well beyond our comprehension. And it causes him to act higher in his holiness, purity, and justice. So we won't always understand, but we trust him by faith. The truth is, if we could figure him out, he wouldn't be God. So I want to close with these two scriptures, and I want you to hold these this week in your quiet time. I want you to write them out and just kind of reflect on them, meditate on them, and remind yourself that you can shift shame by first pushing away the lies and then asking God to help you heal from shame and grow in the newness of thinking and living that he has designed for you. The first scripture is Psalm 34, verse 5. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The second one is Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. And it says this, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Now listen, both of these verses call us to similar action. They call us to look to God to help us in our most trying times. And friends, it is through his help and because of his help that when we experience shame in our lives, We don't have to stay there. We can live freed up and not fed up. We can live radiant and resolute to live out God's plan for our lives. Let's shift the shame. Well, listen, that was a lot to take in. I received so much comfort and encouragement just from recording this episode and really reading through and meditating on some of those scriptures. I hope they encourage you as well. And remember, you do not walk this path alone. I am walking right alongside you as well as the rest of the Freed Up friends. And don't forget, God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.